0: So, so a huge, huge welcome. Huge welcome. Um, my, my name's Steve. Uh, welcome to the spring, by the way. Just a huge welcome to the British spring. Uh, whether this is the first time you've ever st- stepped into a church, or maybe the first time you've come here, or it might be that you've been part of this church as we, we seek to be a compassionate Christian community, we want to say you're really, really welcome here. Uh, as we said earlier, we want to create an environment where, here on Sundays, where you and I can take a pause from our busy lives, and we can connect with God. We can discover that He's really good. Uh, he loves you and me. He's got a purpose for our lives. Uh, but I don't know how your week's been. I don't know how it's been. Uh, I spend most of my most of my week with people. Whether that's meeting new people, uh, praying, or talking with people, helping at the job club, uh, talking with our staff team, uh, planning, managing various projects, and uh, and sometimes uh, trying to communicate the vision of the church in, in various different ways. Uh, a few a few years, a couple of years ago, maybe last year even, we had a guy. We had some problems with our windows, and we had a guy come in to give us a quote for our windows. And and I often get people. Who who don't really believe that I'm a pastor? I'm a kind of man of the cloth. I often get this. And uh, last year we had this guy come, come around to look at our look at our windows, and and he said, uh, so and so we were just talking. He was giving us a quote. He said, "So what do you do?" And Viv and I said, "Oh, I I lead a church. I'm a pastor in a church." And he looked at me and he goes, "No, you're not. No, no, you're not." I was like, "I am. I am. <laughs> I wouldn't lie." And he said to Viv, he's not, is he? And she was like, yes, yes, he is. He really is. And he looked down our garden and he looked back at me and he said, no, you're not. Look at your garden. He said, all the priests and fathers and uh, people, pastors, they've all got immaculate gardens. And he was like, look at yours, look at yours. And so we we talked a bit later and he said, so do you support a football team? And I said, yeah, 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 I support West Ham. And he just shook his head for the next half an hour. You, so you're, you're telling me you're a pastor and you support West Ham. How does that, how does that work? I often wonder. I often wonder. How does that work? Uh, we, we, we've jumped into our third week on our series on the kingdom of God. And we're exploring the story of the kingdom. And like any good story, there's a beginning, a middle, and the end um, some point tonight, I'm going to finish. Um, but the kingdom of God, uh, as we've been journeying through this, uh, is the big story of the Bible. Uh, I almost equate it to the golden thread that's found in the Scriptures, from Genesis, where we see God and His presence with people, to Jesus when He came in His birth and His death and His resurrection to the Revelation, the book of Revelation, with the Amen. The kingdom of God is this thread found in all scriptures. And so in practice, what we're going to be doing on these evenings, are through March, we're going to be looking at, uh, and beyond, sorry, through March, April, May, June, hopefully we'll be finished by then. Uh, We're going to be looking at this story of the kingdom of God and the overarching themes that we have. That this is one of our core values of the kingdom of God here at, here at Vineyard. Uh, and so what we want to do over March, we're looking at the Old Testament and the kingdom of God in the Old Testament. Uh, then we're going to look at the anticipation of the kingdom. We're going to look at Jesus, his birth, his death, his resurrection. And you see, Jesus is the starting point for all Christian ministry and discipleship. And so we're going to explore some of that as we go on. And what we've done is we've entered a story. That God has, we believe, has given us clues to. And all we're doing is following his lead as we read scriptures. A bit like this church. All we're trying to do is follow Jesus' lead. Um, I often have this picture of Jesus, and, I, and I'm often, all I'm doing is holding his hand and, and saying, This is your church. My, our job is to just to baptize, disciple take communion. Our job is to gather and to create environments. Your job, Jesus, is to build your church. And sometimes I want to go ahead of Jesus. Sometimes I want to kind of build the church. But I just hold Jesus' hand and he's the one that's building, building the church. And so with Viv and I, all we're doing is simply following, following his lead. Um, the other thing, uh, my only—we uh, have different speakers who will be talking about the kingdom of God over over these next few months. My personal sort of subtext, if you like, to to this series is uh, I wasn't allowed to call it kicking anxiety's butt, um, my own sort of edit. But that's what I'm here to do over these next uh, few weeks. Is I feel like God has given us permission to to almost challenge and explore and break some of the anxiety that, we, uh, that many of us feel. Uh, about 10 years ago, I was in a GP surgery and uh, the, the practitioner said, I want to give you some, uh, some tablets for your depression. And I suffered with anxiety and panic attacks and, and depression. And through God, through people, through prayer, um, I, I don't feel anxiety anymore and uh, I feel like these next few months we want to almost go after the fear that many of us are are gripped with Um, and so um, I just want to pray let me just pray and then we'll just see what see what I do next (laughs) I've just been praying for you I've been praying for anyone here Just those of us here who who feel the stomach, the cramps, the the, the, the tension around your chest, the headaches, uh, the sleeplessness. I've been praying for you. And I, I want to declare over you, no more attacks. No more fear. Anxiety, this is your last stand. And we break right now all fear and shame from people. And we release God's love. Even now, Holy Spirit, come. Release the peace of God. The peace that passes all understanding. Would be released into into minds and emotions right now. Uh, we have a morning service as well, and the the guys recorded we 're recording the podcast uh, recording the talks from both both talks in the hope that the talk that I go off piece the least will get submitted. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the recording this morning didn 't get recorded so uh, and I was really good this morning. <laughs> I was really good this morning. Um, (laughs) Two weeks ago, I looked at the God who rescues, this king who comes to rescue us. And today we want to talk about the king who comes, uh, the reigning king who comes and who we worship. I spent uh, uh, several hours uh, thinking about this Old Testament and the covenants that God has made throughout the Old Testament, and then thankfully to you, to your delight, I stumbled on a uh, five minute video which describes so much better um, the the covenant this covenant making God than i could I could this kind of random pastor west Ham fan so um, <laughs> we're going to we just going to watch this video and it's going to describe these four main covenants found in the Old Testament and so uh, we we're, we're going to pick it up after after it finishes so Livia, would you play those that video this is Tim and this is John we think one of the best ways to understand the bible is to take its course okay let's, uh, let's hold it there uh, have a look at the Bible Project. It's a fantastic resource for people. If you're wanting to dig deep into some of uh, the books of the Bible, they'll give you summaries. If you want to dig into some of the themes of the Bible, they'll give you some fantastic, really, really fantastic stories. What we're going to do is we're going to land on the last uh, covenant of David. Um, But just, I want to repeat some of the things there, that it's this God who makes partnerships with us first. It's the God through the Old Testament who pursues his people. So he starts with the Israelites and he says, I'm pursuing you. It starts even before them with, in Genesis where he is in, with humanity. He's, the Bible says that he was walking and he talked with, with human beings through Adam and Eve. And so it's human beings that have made this choice to, to push away or turn away or, or rebel. Uh, and then we, get, we fast forward to uh, Abraham and then, and then Exodus through the covenant that God set up through, uh, through Moses with the commandment. What's interesting about the, the commandments is that we have this, this journey from slavery. Do you remember two weeks ago it we talks about the God who comes to rescue the Exodus story is this God who comes to rescue. He sees the people. He sees you and I, the places that we need rescue in. And he says, I'm going to rescue you from that. He takes them through. And we remember those old, old-fashioned old films where Moses walks through and he, the, the seas parted and they walk through and then they get to the other side. The seas come crashing down. And then they celebrate and they sing. And they sing this powerful song, the Song of Moses. In that song, it talks about that the God, the king, will come and reign forever and ever. And in that, that song, it talks, in uh, Exodus 15, it talks about that, that God is going to be leading his people to the mountain. He's going to be leading his people towards the dwelling. And we see again another covenant. This is a covenant-making God who comes first with his hands, who comes first and says, I want to make this partnership with you. What's interesting about this this story in in Exodus is that Mm -hmm. Moses, uh, God says, come to Mount Sinai, come to the mountain. I want to come back to your presence. I want you to come back to my presence, just as it was in the garden. He says, I'm going to come and make my presence with you. And the the story of the Israelites is that during the day, they, they had this cloud that led them where they were going. And during the night, they had this fire uh, we've got some candles here. We've, the, the, the Israelites had some fire that led them uh, around. But God was saying, come up to the mountain. Let all the peoples come up. We find later on in Exodus 19 that God in the Ten Commandments, he wants the whole people to be involved in that. He sends the people, come up to the mountain. And there's this great scene in, in Exodus 19 where there's flashes of lightning, there's thunder, there's God's booming voice um, and the people hear this voice they hear you know it's like this great uh, Christmas uh, New Year's Eve parade where there's fireworks and flashes of lightning and the people are scared they, they're trembling and it's then the people say no 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 we can't face God Moses you can go up to the mountain on our behalf but it's God who, who wants that communion with people he was saying come up to the mountain come into my presence But the people said, no, 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 no. We want one man. We want Moses to do it on our behalf. So let's fast forward now to David. We have this covenant-making God who pursues us through the Old Testament. And as you begin to see the Old Testament through the eyes of a God that pursues people, who is wanting relationship with people, we look at the stories very differently. (coughs) I have to write down every single word, otherwise I go off-piste. So I'm just uh, catching up. <laughs> uh, so this fourth covenant, uh, the covenant of David. <coughs> this is when Israel became an established nation. And they had a king, King David. They had a temple, and they were, they built a wor- David built this worshipping community. We're fast-forwarding Exodus to, to David several hundred years. And what David did is he took the presence of God that he then built around a tabernacle, started up in the mountain, the people, we can't face God. And so God created this system, this structure where the people could worship him in safety. What David did is he took that tabernacle and he brought it to the city. He brought it to Jerusalem. And this fourth stage, this is when David created this worshipping community. And it's often said that the throne of David was the throne of the Lord. It was the royal house led by the people of Israel to become this worshipping community. And David, he brings this tabernacle into the city. Uh, I don't know whether you know, but he started, David, he started this 24-hour-a-day, 7-day-a-week worshipping community using the thousands of singers, musicians, songwriters, and priests who were commissioned just to adore the king, 24 hours a day. I can imagine the rotors might have been a bit interesting. I, I don't know quite what they, what, how they did that. Uh, but the whole thing, so David suddenly got this, this covenant-making God who wanted his people to, be, to come to him. David got this. And he created this tabernacle in the city, right in the heart of the city. Uh, and so most of the psalms we get are written during this Davidic period. Most of the songwriters, the, the songs that we sing were, were, done, were done in this period. About about ten years ago, uh, I used to work in prisons around, uh, around the country, uh, but I looked after most of the prisons in, in London and we would, during the, we would do a session with the guys in the morning. We'd have a, sort of a two or three hour break and then as they got banged up and then in the afternoon we would do some more workshops with them. And I remember going into the chapels in most of the prisons and just spending a couple of hours. Again, in my depression, in, in the places where I was hurting and I just took the Psalms and I began reading the Psalms until yeah, that's me, that's what's happening right now in my life. And I used to read for hours just the psalms until I found the psalm that would, yeah, that's what I'm going through right now. Psalms are a fantastic place, and I I just really recommend you, if you're feeling anxiety, if you're feeling low, just take the psalms and just start reading until it sticks. Start reading until you get get that. Um... (laughs) So we have this king in the Old Testament, this reigning king, who's leading the the people towards himself. Let's skip ahead now to to present day. Uh, We talked about worship. Why do we worship? If we were to ask the billions of people around the world today who attend church, uh, and you ask them, why do we worship? Uh, You'd get a variety of responses. Just shout out. What are some of the things? Why do we worship? He's worthy. worthy. If we don't, the stones would. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What else? Why do we worship? Show our love. love. Connect with God's heart. Connect with God's heart. Yeah. To To be reminded of His truths. Yeah. Anything else? Why do we? Why do we worship? He inhabits the pra what does that mean? He inhabits the praises of his people it's funny, isn't it some if you've been part of a church you're you've given your yes to Jesus <coughs> worship is something that we do every Sunday we do. This thing called worship. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever answered this. Why do we worship? Why do we do it the way we do it? Uh, in the vineyard, in, this, in our movement, we believe the answer is found in one short uh, passage in, in the Bible, in the New Testament. In, in, in 1 John 4, verse 19, it says this. We love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. In these eight words we not only find the answer to why we worship, but also how we worship. Uh, ultimately, the number one thing is that we are God's children. We worship God because we are his children. We believe we are his children. And so we express our love to God in the same Davidic tradition as we do, uh, as they did thousands of years ago, as we do today. And it's this, this, this system of singing accompanied by music uh, have you ever played that game? Name that tune. You've got like two beats, and you can have to name that tune. There is something in our psyche that we just respond to music. And probably if we started a music, if we started a song, within five seconds we would we would know some of the lyrics. We would know where it's going. It's amazing. There's something about music and singing that connects with our hearts and connects with our emotions. <coughs> Um, but worship it ultimately is not uh, not only the way we worship when we gather together, but it's also understanding that it's God that started this relationship with us, not us, because He's our covenant-making God. And so the story of the kingdom is a God who re- who reveals Himself to be a pursuer of you and me. He's actually pursuing you and me. He's like the great fisherman. He'll just wait, and he's trying to pursue you. He's trying to, to uh, forgive me the term, forgive the term, hook you in to his love. He's trying to pull you towards himself. Uh, and many of us have, have learned in the room and understand in the room, we've discovered that we are the objects of God's un, undying and un, unending thoughts. And so we believe worship is the simplest, it's the easiest, it's the most profound response to God's unconditional love. We can complicate worship in a thousand different ways, Uh, but we come back to this truth that we love him because he first loved us. And I I just want to open that up to to you in terms of your, your thinking, your understanding, your experience, that the number one thing we do is understand that God loves us first before we have to do anything. And so our adventure with God, my adventure with God, has been to begin to understand and maybe experience this reality that God is the one that initiates covenant with us. You see, he's a covenant-making God, and he continues to be a covenant-making God with you and me. And he offers his hands and he says, Would you come and come towards me? And so these four covenants that God makes in the Old Testament point to this perfect covenant that we saw in Jesus. Jesus. That once and for all, he's made to secure our right standing before God. We don't need to go up a mountain anymore. We don't need to go into a tabernacle. We don't need to uh, go into a sanctuary. We can receive his presence wherever we are. And that's the truth. And so our adventure in this new covenant moves us away from trying to gain God's approval or trying to do the right thing, trying to get up the ladder of life in order to, to achieve more. Or by, you know, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus here, by trying to pursue uh, religious obligations or wear masks when you come to church. Uh, I want to say this, you, we can rest in knowing that God loves us before we do a thing. And so we believe here in Vineyard that sung worship creates an, envir- an environment where we can just let go of our junk. We can let go of our striving, let go of our performance, uh, let go of our anxiety. Or as Eugene Peterson, the great author and theologian, he says this, Worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. We drop our masks and we enter into, God, into the presence of a loving Father. So Jesus, he he was asked, what kind of uh, worshippers is God seeking? And he says this in in the Gospel of John in verse 4. In the Gospel of John chapter 4. And he says this, the hour is coming and is now here when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such a people to worship him. You see, God is spirit. This is Jesus saying this, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Uh, my own sort of language on this is simply that God reveals the truth of his love to us by his spirit. And we respond back to him. And so the cycle goes on. We receive God's love. We receive his truth. We receive his spirit. And we give back to him uh, love back to him and so here in the vineyard worship is one of our highest priorities we want worship that is authentic we want worship that is accessible so anyone can sing it there's no sort of these or thous or hyperboles there's no fancy words it's just accessible for anyone it's intimate and passionate our, the songs that we want to sing are, are songs with an air of expectation that at any moment God could, God could be in the room. Any moment the Holy Spirit can just take over. Uh, any moment someone can be healed because God's here. Uh, and so, worship in, in our context is not personality driven. We don't have a superstar who takes up all the attention in the room. Uh, rather, our worship leaders seek to cultivate humility, transparency and excellence in the quality of music. And so we probably won't have a fog machine here. Uh, our, we probably won't do that. A couple of years ago, we met with our worship team and, and I said to them, the day we buy a fog machine is the day I resign. Um, Because we want God to be the center of attention. We don't need the smells and the bells and the whistles for the Holy Spirit. When Viv and I, when we first dreamt about the kind of church that that Jesus was continued to build here, we had this simple thought, let's just open the doors, invite people in, and let the Holy Spirit be the great leader. Let Jesus be the great leader. Um, some of the things that you might have seen already, if you're if you're the first time here, first time in, ever in, in this church, is that you'll see people actively demonstrating their love for God by lifting up their hands. Have you ever wondered what that's about? What's that about? So if I go to a football match, West Ham fans might be doing something different with their hands, but or if I uh, if I go to a concert. You'll see tens of thousands of people with their arms in the air. Um, some of you may know my alter-eager is Justin Timberlake. <laughs> He's coming to London in July. Alas, I'm away. <laughs> We're away. But you'll see that. In any concert, people lifting up their hands in adoration. And This is amazing. This is great. This is wonderful. Remember, this is the recording, so I'm, I'm not going to go off. Um, Uh, So you'll see people here who will lift up their hands like that. Other times, you'll see people who are just simply holding their hands like this. And I imagine it's like a gift. They're receiving a gift. If God's a good father, he wants to give good gifts. Sometimes I hold my hands like this because I want a big gift. (laughs) But there are different ways in our body language we can express our, our love to God. Some people, you'll, you'll hear people clapping. Some people, you'll see, they'll, they'll kneel before, as if they're kneeling before a king or a queen. They're bowing or they're, they're giving thanks to God or in humility. You'll see people dancing, children, adults dancing here. Uh, God is the focus in our worship. These are all biblical ways set up in the Davidic tradition. The the psalmist in in Psalm 134, he said this, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Psalm 91 says, Shout to the Lord. Psalm 95, 95 says this, one of my favorite verses in all scripture. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, For he is our God. He is our great king. In Psalm 149, it says this. Let them praise him, praise his name with dancing, and make music to him with the timbrel and harp. Uh, We have a harpist here. I'm not sure we have a timbrelist. I'm not sure what that is. So we don't have that, but musical instruments we believe are the tools that help us as a congregation to respond to God. Sometimes when we're standing in worship, you'll see people singing along and you kind of think, Oh, they seem to be they seem to be enjoying it. I'm losing my concentration. I'm I'm thinking about a meeting I've got tomorrow. I'm thinking about an exam. I'm thinking about shopping. I'm thinking about <laughs> The food um, sometimes uh, this is what I do, just uh, if I lose my concentration in worship, it happens, everyone does that. everyone does that, yes, yes, <laughs> not just me. Um, I try to what I try to do is visualize some of the stories of Jesus, I try to take some of the the powerful stories that Jesus told and some of the stories of Jesus so I try to imagine the tomb that was empty I see this tomb that was empty and I try imagine that time when Jesus was ascended up into heaven I try to imagine um, particularly 10 years ago I remember reading the story of the storm that Jesus calmed the storm and he was in the boat and he was just fast asleep and he got up and he just calmed the storm I remember coming to God and saying, God, this is my storm, my depression, my anxiety. This is a storm. Jesus, would you say, peace be still, to my storm? So I try to visualize some of those things in worship. Sometimes I copy others. Um, when, I first, when I first gave my yes to Jesus, and I saw people sort of doing that and clapping and lifting up their hands and... Doing all that, I, I didn't really know what that was about. But I just copied. I just thought, let me just try. How does that feel? I don't really understand what's going on, but let me copy that. Sometimes I've understood it and then I've done it. Other times I've experienced it and then begun to understand it. Both are equally valid. Um, Let me finish. Let me finish. There's a thousand different ways that God meets a thousand different people. And our covenant-making God is a God who makes a covenant with you today. And uh, I just want us to go on an adventure in worship. I'd love us to experiment with the scriptures about what's possible in in worship. But also, I want to make this last proposal. Uh, Last night, I was praying for you. Uh, Yesterday, I was praying for you. And I had this picture of a prescription uh, pad, and on it, I felt God say, I had this kind of, I, I, my imagination, I had this picture in my imagination of this prescription, prescription. And I imagine God writing down on this prescription, the cure, and it, it said this, the cure for your anxiety is your adventure in worship. And I, I just want to add my own little bit. The, the way to heal your wounds or your trauma and your grief is found... In taking a journey in worship. As we as we begin to learn about God, as we begin to give our yes to God, worship is one of our responses back to Him. He loves us first, and so we respond in worship back to Him. Why don't we stand? And what we're gonna do is we're gonna spend a bit of time singing, we're gonna be worshiping in a little while. As we do here most weeks, we then uh, have some time where, we, uh, where we'll pray for anyone for anything. But why don't we just spend a few minutes just worshipping and singing. Be free to lift up your hands if you've never done that. Be free to come and kneel where you are, or if, you want, if, you, if it's a, a better symbol for you to come and kneel before the cross. You might want to find some space and, and just uh, meet with God in your own way. Jesus, I thank you for this crowd of people. I thank you for the people uh, that you brought here today. I thank you for the stories, their journey so far today. Uh, We throw them all back into your arms of love right now. Each and every one of you be thrown into the, the, the arms of a loving father.